0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to an all new Deep Cuts Live. I'm your host, Antoine Reed, and today we have a very special guest with us. We have Sin Coburn, who is uh, the owner of Dissident Cigars. So she's someone that I've followed on Instagram, and I'm pretty sure that maybe if you've searched for her, you've come across this video. You've probably uh, have also come across her on um, Instagram, and very interesting brand with Dissident. And I just want to learn more about her and also learn more about dissonant. So that will be the conversation for today. So let me bring on our guest. Sin, how are you?
1: Good. How are you?
0: I'm good. It's like I said, I've been following you and your husband on Instagram for a while. And then I think, like most people, all of a sudden, it's like one day is like, I learned that you were the, you know, the new owners of Dissident. So I was like, oh, it's like. That's
1: kind of how I was too.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I was like, what? Whoa, it was like one of those like surprising moments and stuff. Because I heard of Dissident and like I said, and I had followed it as well. So I was like surprised all of a sudden that, you know, and I know in other interviews you said too, like one of the mysteries is like, why was it available? You didn't, you don't know what became of the, the, past owner, it was this there and you were in the right place, right time. And it kind of landed like you, do you want to take over this brand? And you were like, yes.
1: Uh Uh-huh. Yeah, for (laughs) sure. It was pretty crazy. Like, you know, just like you said, just right place, right time. And, you know, the the brand fit really well. And, um, you know, the way it sat uh, really allows me to expand on it. Um, You know, it has a very basic platform and it's bold and it works really well. But like I said, it really opens the door to expand on, on art and to take it further. So I'm, I'm really excited about it.
0: Yeah. So where I always like to start at the beginning with deep cuts and with people's stories and to figure out how did you get to where you are now? So before you came into the cigar industry, what were you doing? And then what kind of led to you landing where you are now?
1: Gosh, I have I've done so much. So and and it really had nothing to do with cigars for much of my life. Um, it actually was more about helping people. Um, I spent a number of years running um, an at risk boys home. Um, essentially, it was youth from 12 to 18. They had to live in my facility for up to two years while we rehabilitated them um, and made sure that they were safe enough to go back out in society. Um, So I dealt with that, you know, again, they were, they were high risk. So some of them were very physically violent and court ordered to live there. So I was the one in the thick of it and, you know, loving them through it Um, and worked with the elderly elderly for a while, uh, both through a law firm and through elderly care. Um, I've really touched base on, you know, anywhere from kids to adults and, you know, just making sure that everybody feels loved. Um, and then my husband, motivational speaker, he did that for 20 years and I jumped along in that with him for the last couple years. Um, so did that. And then uh, <clears throat> we went on vacation in Nicaragua uh, just to explore the Oveja Negra f- uh, factory. And fell in love with Esteli, uh, ended up coming down to San Juan del Sur, which is where James and Angela live, the owners of Oveja Negra, and fell in love with this little town. And we decided we wanted to take the kids to vacation here. Um, and then COVID hit. So, you know, everything shut down, obviously. And the kids out of nowhere, like, did their research on, on Nicaragua. And they were like, why don't we just move there? <laughs> we were like... <laughs> What? Like, you really want to move to Nicaragua? Um, So, we had them do more research for about a month, like just independent research on their own without being persuaded with anything. And they still came back and they said they wanted to do it. And we, you know, long story short, we sold everything our vehicles, our personal belongings, everything and just came to Nicaragua um, with a suitcase each and our pets and started a new life here, um, just loving cigars, which it's funny because in nicaragua it's very hard to actually get cigars (laughs) because they're all exported so we really don't have a lot of cigars to choose from here but thankfully being friends with james and angela we were able to get some um, black label black work cigars from them but um you know it was more about the culture for us um and being around this lifestyle that we fell in love with and Before we knew it, like you said, um, Dissident became available, and they asked us if we wanted to buy it, and it took about a week, and figuring out whether this is something we wanted to do, because as all you cigar lovers know, this is not a cheap industry to be in, and uh, we ultimately decided, uh, yeah, we're going to do it, so we jumped on board with that, and um, we put motivational speaking to the side on a large scale. Um, cause it used to be up to like 15,000 people that, um, mainly Josh would speak to and sometimes myself. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's, that's very, um, it's very exhausting because, you know, motivational speaking, you're, you're speaking in front of all these people, but it doesn't end when you walk off the stage because now people know who you are and they want to message you because, you know, so many people go through so much. And, um, so yeah, we decided to take a break from that, but we didn't really stop doing that because we're just doing it in the cigar world now. You know, I get to travel and, and do dissident stuff and and still help people just through cigar lounges and honestly on a more intimate one-on-one level, which to me is awesome. So yeah, so very long story sh- turned into short. That's, that's how we're here and how we got into dissident.
0: <laughs> well, I was listening to some of your other interviews that you've done uh, basically this year. And I know, and one was really interesting because you were talking about like embracing negativity sometimes and how some people like they try to act like nothing bad or or all these negative things, like they just trying to ignore it as much as they could. And you were talking about the importance of sometimes acknowledging it in your life and then embracing it. Like, could you talk a little bit about that? Because I think that's such, even in in a business sense, it's such an important thing to acknowledge and talk about that doesn't get spoken about a lot.
1: Yeah. A lot of people think that that, you know, like the negative is negative and it's such a bad thing and we need to ignore it and put band-aids on it. And that's not life. You know, life is very much always about the negative as well. And how can we grow to the fullest extent if we don't have errors in our life and, and negative things that have happened, which honestly, in my opinion, isn't negative. Nothing has been negative. I mean, and I've been through so much, you know, especially with abuse and sexual assault and all that. And <clears throat> being homeless and you know if i chose the path to say that that was negative then i would have fell down this deep dark hole and i always did to some degree i think everybody does you know things hurt and that's okay but what's really there is value and lessons and tools and it's in everything. It's literally in everything from death to, you know, to heartache, to separations, to, um, homelessness, to whatever you can, whatever you go through, there's always a lesson in that. And to me, that's, that's not negativity. That's positivity because we need those lessons and we can't ignore them. They're just as valuable. So, we have to take those, we have to learn from them and we just have to move forward. And, and, you know, that's how we come the 110% versions of ourselves, not the 80% versions of ourselves, you know, and 110% does not mean perfect. It means that you're, you're real. You are so real and you choose to live your life to the fullest and be happy no matter what happens and what's thrown on your plate. And I am a Testament to so many things happening and so many things being thrown on my plate. Um, and I'm still here and I'm still smiling and I still find the positive in life and good things still happen. And you know, so so yeah, the negativity is definitely important. And life is all about perspective. Cause you can say, Oh, well, you know, my life is shit, or you can say, My I'm learning. I'm learning right now, and I'm going to learn how to get through this, and then I'm be I'm going to be a better person for it as well. So that's really what I have focused on. And it's helped me a lot because If I didn't look at life that way, I don't know that I would be here. And I don't know that I'd have the ability to help other people either because I have gone through a lot and that could have exhausted me so much that I didn't want to help anybody else, you know, but... I've chosen to take the path of I've gone through a lot and I'm going to help people because I have the ability to help people now because I have so many things on my plate that I've gone through. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's to me, it's just as important as all the good things in your life. And we can't we cannot ignore them. I mean, the most successful people in business have failed. They've failed. They've had accidents. They've stumbled. They've had to learn new things. They've lost money. You know, it can go on and on and on. And. That's what should happen. That is exactly what should happen. Because how can you truly be a good, humble person if you haven't been there and you haven't had to dust your knees off, you know?
0: Yeah, definitely. And what you know, I've been listening to this audiobook. Um, it was called River of Time by Ni- yeah, Naomi Judd. Because oh, I was really okay. interested in her life after what happened in April. And when they, her daughter said, you know that she succumbed to mental illness, and you know I'm listening to this book, and she's basically saying everything that you just said. You know, so much had happened to her, and she said, and you know, she had this public persona of being like a happy, chippy, you know, entertainer that was always, you know, had to lighten the crowd and get everybody riled up, and then in in private, all these things were happening to her. She had all this very troubling childhood, and. Long story short, you know, it it took her to embrace that negativity that was able to get her at least, you know, a couple more years because she said she was in this very dark place. And she was in a dark place when she was ignoring that negativity in her life and trying to act like it didn't exist. So,
1: yeah, I mean, fame is hard. Um, you know i'm i'm no superstar i 'm nowhere near you know i 'm a fraction of what other people are, same with Josh but it's there enough to where I understand putting on a smile when you don't always feel good and having to be quote unquote on because that's your job and it doesn't matter what's going on on the sidelines you know you have to put on that smile because you know, to you, this may be another day to somebody else. They've been waiting so long for this moment, you know, and you're everything to them. And I think the issue is that most people don't want to talk about the negative, you know, they hide behind that wall and they have these secrets and, I know how that feels. And so I choose not to do that. If I go through something, whether it's the death of an animal or I'm struggling because, you know, whatever it may be, you're going to hear about it too. Because if I just put it out there, you're going to see how I cope with it as well. And you're going to know that, okay, like, you know, her life's a little bit tough right now, but look at her. She's still standing and she's still pushing through and she is smiling. And that smile is genuine, you know, because I'm not about to be fake. And because I know what that does to myself and I know what that does to others as well. So I think it's vital for me to be as real as possible out there, no matter what I'm doing. And um, if I'm going through hardships, well, if I'm going to a business trip and I have an event, we're going to talk about it, you know, and I'm going to talk about how I'm pushing through and hopefully I still end up helping somebody, you know, during that event. So, yeah, I just, I know how important it is to be real, you know, because that can be a deep, dark place if, if we don't do that and we don't, expose ourselves, which ultimately, to some people, that's very scary to expose yourself, you know, that's, that's uh, fearful, you don't want to be looked down upon and judged. But ultimately, I don't care if I'm judged, if I'm judged, you don't need to be in my life anyway, you know, it just it, it narrows down the people that should be in my life. So
0: <laughs> yeah, and, and it just kind of brings me back to something that Michael Herklot said to me a long time ago about, you know, Instagram being so curated you know people only see what you want them to see which is usually the good stuff and the fun stuff and then they don't get to you know they don't always get to see like the boring stuff because that doesn't make for a good picture or a good video so you have Mm -hmm. to I think it's and i've seen your instagram like you do share everything which is good because it gives a more complete picture and i think it it shows people that you know you can be sad one day and then you can be happy another day it's not all just like one emotion (laughs) It kind of gives the impression that women, everything absolutely. is perfect so yep.
1: sorry about that my dogs are seeing something i'm out i'm outside but that <laughs> <It> was fine <laughs> sorry
0: <laughs> um, but
1: yeah absolutely you know it's 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 never been about uh growing and and having this you know massive platform it's been about being real and if you follow me for that well then welcome aboard you know but I'm not here to have thousands and thousands of people on my side just because I'm a content creator, you know, that, that doesn't pay my bills. <laughs> <So. Right>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Getting back to, to dissident. I mean, it's such a interesting name and something I haven't heard a lot in different interviews that you've done has been just the name of the cigar brand, because you hear dissident and I think it is for, different people might conjure up different things. So to you, like if you, somebody had to, was, were to ask you to define dissident as it relates to, you know, your brand and kind of like the vibe and attitude that you you hope the brand exudes to the world, how would you describe dissident?
1: Well, people, and this is a conversation that Josh and I have had to have because exactly like you said, dissident can be, you know, it can mean a lot of things to people. Um, And Ultimately, you know, your first thought can be that of a negative one, and um, you know, to a lot of people, that that means opposition and in a negative way, and you know, starting wars and hate and all this. But it's not. It's about being true to yourself and standing up for what you believe in, and it's about you know, in our eyes, acceptance, um, because obviously that's something that the world struggles with, and. So so that's all, you know, is acceptance and, and love and pushing through and uh, positivity. You know, that's all the things that that needs to be shown more. So that's on your soul. And and that's really, really what we're focusing on is um, showing dissident in, in a positive light and and that it's OK to be yourself and it's OK to be one of a kind. You don't need to fit in, you know, on this cookie cutter world, you know, it's actually awesome to, to be yourself. And, you know, people will love you for that in the end. I mean, look at the way I look and I still, I have yet to come across someone that's been a complete turn to me, you know, like everyone's been great. In the end, when you're a good person, that's what matters, you know?
0: So when you, I'm always interested about the transition that people make to from being just a consumer of a product to being a brand owner of that product. So in terms of cigars, what was that transition for you and Josh like going from being consumers of cigars and, you know, just casually smoking and whenever you want to and not having to worry about the account accounting and all that kind of stuff to suddenly being brand owners? Like, (laughs) was that a a hard learning curve? Was it easy? Was it not easy? Um, What was it like?
1: It's not, I wouldn't say hard. I know that, you know, there's more time. There's been days where it's been a little bit more overwhelming than others, but um, everything has been with time, you know? So when, when we first acquired it, it was more like a, whoa, okay, this is happening. But, you know, what has been so great about it is it was already established. So there was already accounts there. Um, There wasn't really stock or anything. So that was a huge thing that we had to immediately start on um, was. So I should back up a little bit. It's had its blessings and it's had its downfalls. The blessings are it was already an established brand. The downfalls were it was an already established brand. (laughs) So it was great because we have these accounts but the downfall was it wasn't a slow walk and learn it was a run and learn so that was probably the hardest part for us is there was no time to stumble and fall you know if there was mistakes made it was immediately figuring it out and, you know, smoothing things over, which thankfully there really hasn't been much of that. Um, but, you know, there's been some accounts lost prior to us that we're trying to get back. Um, and thankfully a lot of the the stock that was missing, that was, you know, it's already back, you know, because that was the number one thing that we did. Um, and as far as money, you know, thankfully we have other jobs and, If if we didn't have that, I don't know that we would have jumped into this only because we're older. We have kids, you know, we have mouths to feed. Um, But thankfully, because we have other jobs, we we chose to look at this like we know we're going to lose money and this is going to suck for a while. And it does suck, you know, but we know that through being genuine and good people and having great cigars, that's what's going to matter in the end. And we're just going to continue to grow. So it can be stressful at times right now because I mean, we're, we're in the thick of it. We're at the start of it, but I mean, we've already seen some numbers change and you know, people are excited about the brand. Um, everybody knows dissident cigars are very good. They're made very well because they're coming out of a veja negra. Um, so it's just a matter of getting it there and shining the light on it that it absolutely deserves, you know? And I think we, um, made a good choice in not changing anything. Um, because everything was wonderful to begin with uh the only thing that did end up changing was the soapbox it went from uh to sumatra and that wasn't our choice that was just due to availability so that's been the only thing that's changed and honestly i think it changed for the better i love the way the soapbox tastes now um so yeah it was taking these um small batch of cigars putting them into the core line so now the core line is bigger and now just focusing on getting more cigars out there, doing limited editions. Um, I'm going to be creating uh, Connecticut soon, and then doing these awesome lines of cigars that are going to be limited edition. And and we really hope that um, people appreciate that and they see dissident for what it is and, and what it deserves to be. So, you know, to answer your question shortly, it's had its ups and downs, but mostly ups. Um, and like I said earlier, it's, it's all about perspective. You know, we can let this eat us alive. We can let it really get to us or we can you know, say this, this is our time for work. And then we put a different hat on and we enjoy life on the weekends and we do things with our kids at night. And, you know, that downtime is just as important to being a successful business as it is hustling and being the thick of it and, and working extremely hard. You know, people tend to forget that we need to love ourselves too. And being a truly successful business owner also means taking care of yourself and giving yourself downtime and thanking yourself for all the hard work that you've done. So we're definitely doing that as well to keep our sanity. So
0: <laughs> definitely, um, you know, I just feel like most of the conversations I've had is you know people don't get into cigars thinking they're going to make a ton of money, and if they do, they use. <laughs> not last that long in the industry because it's pretty hard to. So it, it turns into a passion product and something that they really oh, yeah. enjoyed. Yeah. Is, that, is that the case with you and Josh?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's absolutely not about the money for us at all. And we've never been that way. Um, you know, it, it's about making relationships and being able to break bread with people and learning, you know, we always talk about being the, the the lowest person person on the totem pole. And one of the things we love the most about the cigar industry is honestly from sitting in cigar lounges and talking to people that we would normally never talk to, and the the fact that everybody just gets along. You know, you can be a doctor and a lawyer and a garbage man, and they're all three talking and exchanging ideas and and great stories about life. And I love that. I love that about this industry. And, you know, I've heard negative things and, you know, I've heard people say, oh, this and that. And, you know, Josh and I are like, man, we never hear that. Why? Because we don't, we don't surround ourselves by that. And, and if we think something's going to happen, well, we just turn off the computer and live our life. You know, like, we don't have TV. We don't, spend hours on the internet or anything we just live our life as humble people and we just keep going and keep moving forward and you know we love all the other brand owners we think everybody's amazing and in my opinion you have to you have to love everybody in this industry we're all in this together because if this goes we all go you know so we're in the right. same fight so it's important to us to just establish relationships and not worry about the money we can't we've never been those type of people. Like. We live in a third world country and, you know, we're fine with it. It may from the outside look like we have this, you know, awesome life, you know, but no one realizes when you take cold showers and you're, you know, washing dishes with cold water and have a rusted out fridge and, you know, like there's things that go on behind the scenes that people don't realize that, you know, the, the way we choose to live our life. And ultimately that's because we really focus on being humble and always being aware of what we have. And I know that, um, just the way I am, if somebody is struggling, I will be the first one to help them. So, and I've always been that way. I'm like, I, if, if they're struggling, I will struggle with them because it's better than them struggling by themselves. So if I see someone that's in a finan- financial downfall, I'm going to do what I can to help them. If a family just went through, you know, a house fire, I'm going to be helping them. If there's, you know, Our SOS, the animal um, nonprofit here, we are constantly giving back to them. You know, we just see opportunity in so many different places. And that's really what we focus on. And I'm a true believer that if you're a selfless person that gives on a humble level, not for anything in return... The universe has a way of uh, returning the favor in some way, no matter what that is. And so I feel that we live a very blessed life. And that doesn't mean monetarily, it's just in general. We've been very fortunate to meet a lot of older people. And honestly, the past few years, I give that a lot to, to cigars and who we've met through cigars. So, I mean, that's just it's expanding now because we own this cigar company. So that's very exciting to me.
0: Yeah. And I wanted to read you this comment that came on um, through Facebook um, from Nicole. Uh, She says, uh, my husband has been through a lot, losing his young wife from breast breast cancer and his dad at the same time. He is sitting here smoking a block for being able to get out of the house for the first time in two years due to suffering from agoraphobia. His hard work, along with Joshua Coburn, he is making fantastic progress and learning trauma is not a death sentence. He wanted me to post this as well uh, as we are listening and he does not have Facebook. So I just wanted to make sure that you, you got that comment because it kind of goes along with what you were just saying um, and how cigars also kind of help bring people together and, and can, you know, just add to people's lives in a positive way that you don't always get to see. Like when I first came into the industry, I had a completely different perspective on cigars and stuff than what I do now, 10 years, uh, you know, into it. So, um, Mm -hmm. so
1: I truly appreciate that. You know, just the fact that he, you know, he brought up, you know, going through traumas and stuff and, you know, it's, it's been years since I've gone through the abuse that I have, and I still struggle at times, you know, just because, you know, I'm this positive, happy person does not mean that I don't struggle. You know, like that's real life. Like there are still times when I struggle and that is absolutely okay. And the fact that he can pick up a cigar and just relax and he has found ways to push through that is so awesome. And if we're just that tiny little part of that, man, does that make me feel good. So thank you. I truly, truly appreciate that.
0: Exactly. Um, You know, you were talking about Nicaragua and i I thought was interesting when I was listening to your past interviews and you were talking about how if you live in Nicaragua, it's so hard for you to get cigars, <laughs> which is not something that most people think about because here in the U.S. we're told like, you know, Nicaragua's, I think is uh, according to the Cigar Association of America is like the top cigar, you know, and but it's like because it's because we're here in America and, you know, so what is it having moved? to Nicaragua, what can you tell us about living there and the cigar culture in general there in Nicaragua? What is it like?
1: Uh, Cigar culture is not a thing. (laughs) It's funny because if we go out to eat um, in town, like because this is such a small community, like a lot of the owners know who we are and half the time we won't even bring cigars, but they will automatically bring out uh, like, an ashtray and a lighter because they know that we smoke and it cracks us up every time but i love it because the people here are so wonderful and they try so hard to remember who you are and um, you know like like your story and what you like and it is so awesome and like i said there's not a cigar culture here there's really not there's most people do not smoke cigars um, there are two places in town that sell cigars, um, and they're really not known. It's not easy to get much of anything. I mean, Oveja Negra cigars are in the one, uh, are in both of them actually. Um, and I think Roma craft is in another, uh, cause that gentleman lives out here. Um, so, you know, even though cigars are from here, that's not a culture. Um, many of the places like the tobacco's grown, uh, about four or five hours North of here, Um, and you know, where that plays in is, you know, the, the Nicaraguans have been a part of the cigar industry for generations and that's where that plays in, you know, like even at Oveja Negra, the people that are rolling the cigars and bunching them, um, they're third generation, second generation, you know, that's been passed down forever in their families and that's a vital way of life for them. And I think, you know, what a lot of people fail to see, and this is such a big deal, you know, for the people that are trying to get cigars out of here and, and want to put in all these laws and stuff, they fail to see little things like, you know, if you go to a tobacco field here, an entire community is waiting for, say, the Seiko leaves to, to be ready because you can't just have one, two employees going through that field and picking those leaves. You have to have an entire community come together at the same time for the next couple of days and pick those leaves when they are ready. That's how you get good quality cigars is by getting good quality leaves. And these people, these communities wait the entire year just for these tobacco crops to be ready. And that feeds their family for so long. So, you know, that's what Nicaragua is known for. Obviously, they're they're tobacco fields and they're wonderful. You know, it's, it's prime soil. They're in these beautiful valleys surrounded by the mountains, which is exactly what tobacco needs. And these families thrive off of that. That is how they make a living. So that to me is really, really awesome because you are literally bringing jobs to families. And without cigar smokers, there's not going to be tobacco fields. And then that's going to go away. And, you know, we have to fight for that. We have to show people that, you know, this is actually a wonderful thing. And, you know, people can hate that that don't understand cigars, but I'm going to be right there fighting for it. Showing people why it's so valuable, and not only that, we all have ways to cope with depression and anxiety and the things that we go through. And for a lot of people that are into cigars, it is one hundred percent smoking a cigar. It is taking that hour to yourself and just relaxing. It's talking to your friends. It's, you know, sitting on your porch and just going over things in your head, and that is so 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 important. And You know, one thing I learned from being here is uh, Nicaraguans take the time to do that, whether they smoke cigars or not. Man, four o'clock comes around and there is no more work. They are on the streets partying and they are grilling and they're grilling for everybody around them, for their neighbors and their family. And every weekend is a party. And it is so awesome to see because these people barely have anything and they don't care. They don't need everything. All they need is community and and people in their life, people that show love and helping one another and getting by. You know, they are absolutely happy with the little bit that they have. And I'm a firm believer that the more you have, the unhappier you are, you know, and that is so true here. And I've never seen it more than moving to Nicaragua. So, yeah, I mean... That's so went off base, but
0: (laughs) no, no, it's fine. No, I I think it's always good to hear that stuff because here in the US, I mean, we're so stuck in a bubble of everything going on here and it gets heavy, and you don't have that outside perspective of what's going on in other countries and what life is in other countries. And um, even if you hear like Nicaragua, you don't, we don't hear about Nicaragua hardly at all, you know, Mm -hmm. the, the most popular people. Um, don't unless you are in a cigar industry then you might think about Nicaragua or hear about it a little bit more so it's interesting yeah. to hear what life is like there and I'm sure for you coming from the united states and moving there is probably jarring just like you said it's a completely different mindset but it's, it sounds like it's a good mindset like once you kind of get shake yourself out of that us <laughs> american yeah. kind of you know funk that we sometimes get in and to yep. see like a, a different way of, of living is probably kind of rejuvenating, I would think.
1: It absolutely is. Yeah, Um. one of the first people we met, it was within a month or two of being here. It was a gentleman that worked at a little restaurant here in town. And he was like, man, all you Americans, you just seem like there's a lot of depression in America and a lot of anxiety and a lot of health issues. And he's like, why is that? And I was like, I don't know. And he's like, we don't have that. We don't have time for that here. We don't have things. We're too busy working hard. And it it like hit me like a ton of bricks. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that is so true. You know, if you think about like how many celebrities kill themselves and, I'm, and you know, people think, well, why would they do that? They have everything. Well, because everything is nothing. It really is. You know, these people are working hard for the little bit that they have. And ultimately, they don't have things to cling on to except for themselves and the people around them, the community. And they're happy because of it. They're not stuck in their house trying to enjoy these materialistic things. You know, they're trying to, like Americans, they try to find joy in the next Mercedes and the, you know, the next big house and the next thing and having the greener yard and the perfect grass and there's no grass here, man. People are growing gardens and food and you know, like, so it's been awesome. And it's been awesome to hear perspective from people within a country that have so little and are so happy. It's mind blowing. And it's really woken us up. And that's why we truly love to live here because it keeps us where we feel we need to be on a mental level, you know, just really appreciative for the life that we have, and always making sure that we're helping others and being kind, and being mindful and aware of our surroundings at all times.
0: Um, getting back to the Oveja Gra uh, connection, how did you uh, meet James and Andor? Because I know that that, that I, I think before you became like the dissident owner. Um, you would see all these pictures of, of you hanging out with, with them. And, um, you know, I just thought it was like really interesting. So I'm always curious about <laughs> connections and how people end up meeting the, and making these connections. How, how did you meet them? And, you know, what have you learned from each of them? Because I don't think Angela sometimes gets enough credit for what she kind of brings into the business, uh, you know, just by herself.
1: So, yeah. Yeah. Kind of I think both
0: of them are for each of them.
1: They um, and I know one thing they enjoy is, is to let the brand speak for itself. Um, but how we met was honestly through social media. You know, before I knew about cigars, I had no idea what I was smoking. You know, my first experience was walking into some weird convenience store thinking I was talking to somebody with knowledge that absolutely did not have knowledge in the end of cigars and just handed me some random cigar. I have no idea what it was, you know, but I do remember the first cigar I ever did have, um, that stuck with me was the Wallace from Oveja Negra. And the reason why I picked that was because of the artwork, because they just, I felt like I was being heard through artwork in the cigar industry. And that was striking to me. Um, because obviously we all know that that's um, there's not many brands that take that Avenue when it comes to cigars, you know, it's very much in a certain box and they chose not to be in that box. Um, So just through time, you know, we just started talking to them. um, And we weren't sure if they had, you know, people that promoted them or, you know, we didn't know anything about how that worked, but we just, you know, had conversation with them and ended up, um, like I said, doing that Oveja Negra tour. And really connecting with them, you know, and we connected with them, just, you know, prior to that as well, but it kind of just sealed the deal when we went to their factory and, you know, seeing like minded people um, and being around them is wonderful. And then when you move to a country when there's really nobody else like that, it just it, it makes a difference, you know, so it's nice to be in a country where everything feels so unfamiliar in so many ways. And then you can meet up with friends who that get you you know they understand and you can have good conversation and so yeah so that's kind of you know how that happened you know just they were excited when they found out that we wanted to move here you know they accepted us with open arms and you know we only live like 10 minutes from them and that's just because we have to go up and down mountains (laughs) but you know truly i can you know if i looked hard enough i can see their house from where we live um so yeah, it's just a matter of you know I think coming together in in a world where we're the oddballs, and I think that's really helped us all. And um, you know, as I said earlier, I think James and Angela both like to take the approach of letting the cigars speak for themselves, you know. And and James has always been the face of the brand, but Angela is equally there. You know, she busts her ass just as hard and you know, she's definitely the one that's present in the factory and uh, giving the employees all the love that they very well need and and deserve. And, you know, that's what keeps the wheels turning in that factory is the fact that they pay so much attention to their employees and they make sure that they're valued and appreciated. And, you know, obviously we go there all the time due to dissident and we see it, we see the love and we see the appreciation. And, you know, when there's a birthday, there's a party and they're all dancing and they're all playing music. And when they're, you know, when it's Christmas, there's a Christmas tree up and, you know, it's just really, really awesome to see. So, You know, Angela will show her face, obviously, at at PCA. It's wonderful. And when they can both leave, you know, she goes to the lounges with James and does events. And so it's it's really great to see you when they're both able to get out. But, you know, that's hard to do. You know, it's very hard to do. I mean, they have they have children. You know, we have kids. So it's it's not the easiest to leave at the same time. But when the stars align and they can get out together, you know, it's awesome. It's awesome to. Uh, have the rare opportunity to see them out as I'm sure, you know, people love, you know, because it's just, it's not common to see them both. So.
0: And I know that you actually, I know some people think that, you know, some brand owners just say, I want a cigar and they leave it to somebody else to create, but I know that you are very hands-on you create the blends you have. So how did you learn about the blending process? Because even me, like I've gone to the Dominican Republic once or twice, and I remember them trying to get us to learn how to roll a cigar and how to blend, like <laughs> pick out different cigars. Oh, I mean, pick out different tobaccos to like make our own special blend. And it was just like, like I couldn't, I can't even tell you now like how, how it works. So to the, how did you learn that process? And like, what was the first cigar that you blended? Like, what was that process like?
1: Oh, well, it's still, it's absolutely still a process. You know, I'm still in the infant stages of that. Um, But what's wonderful is I have James to always lean on, you know, because I can think that something smokes really well. And ultimately, you know, he could say, I don't know, you know, he knows by doing certain blends that say in three months, it's actually going to turn this way. And I don't know if it's going to be as good as it is now, or, you know, so it's amazing that I have him to lean on. Um, but the first cigar that I blended is actually the Molotov and um, which is the limited edition that that's going to be uh, available um to order at PCA.
0: Uh, it Let should be done a month after. That. Let me show people. What's that? I like, I'm said i going to actually show people while you're talking. Oh, yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah.
0: What that looks it's like.
1: Because it's very different. It's very different than what Dissident has ever done. <laughs> it's like crazy. <laughs> so
0: this is it for those <laughs> people who, who are watching. And if you're not, you can go on YouTube and click on this video and see it. But go ahead and tell us about this this release. And like I said, the artwork itself is is Personally, what will make me pick it up? Cause I always, I'm a graphic designer first. I spent six years or so just doing graphic design uh, right out of college. So um, I'm always gravitating towards, I know it's probably not the best method of how to pick a cigar, but if, <laughs> if I like the band or the artwork or the box, I'm like, Oh, I got to get it. I don't know if it's going to be good or not, but it's like, I like that creative side that they at least put to the the brand. So
1: But, you know, you just touched on something very important, and and that's true. Whether you have smoked cigars for many, many years or you are just now getting into the cigar industry, it is about the artwork. Because you can walk into a humidor, and it is absolutely overwhelming. I mean, there is just so many bands with so many colors and so many designs that where do you even put your eyes, you know? And I think that we we can all relate to certain cigars based on their, their artwork. And it, just like I stated earlier, you know, with Oveja Negra, I was drawn to that because they were one of the few that actually stepped outside of the box and chose to take that alternative route. So I think that is very, very important to pay attention to how you're designing something. And, you know, with the Molotov, we... It's hard to explain, but you know, dissident was very much on the black, the red, and the white, and and that was it. You know, it was it was a word, and there was no um, pictures or anything to it. And I'm like, well, damn! If I'm gonna make my first cigar, I'm gonna go completely off the wall and might as well just slap my face on it and do a white box instead. And you know, so I just wanted to make sure that. It, people understood that this is a new person behind this company. um, And you're going to see edgy things come out from this while also sticking to that dissident vibe, you know? Um, And another thing that's different is the blend is so far off from what has traditionally been dissident um, because the cigars in the past have always been a lot of, Nicaraguan, Ecuador, you know, those leaves. And with this, I've done um, Omatepe and um, the Esteli, um, Nicaraguan, Dominican, like it's, it's in there and it's so different than any of the cigars previously. So this, the way it tastes, I'm just so excited about it because Nicaragua as a whole, most people know that tobacco produces um, on a more peppery end. And uh, this does not. This cigar, I would say, is a very smooth habano, which is awesome for it still being Ometepe, which is Nicaraguan. Uh, Esteli is Nicaraguan, but they're just smooth blends. They're smooth tobaccos, and so I don't. I'm excited to see what people have to say about it because it's just so like far left from you know (laughs) what dissident has been but i hope that people see that um this is something new and exciting and it's opening the door like i said for a lot more things to come and you don't necessarily have to just stick in this one lane you know with with flavor profiles you know so i'm excited i'm excited to see people say um we've had a number of people smoke it and whether it could be because they love us. I don't know, but we've had nothing bad come from it. <laughs> Everyone's loved it. And James and Angela, they smoked it from the very beginning and they've smoked it all through the entire process and they've they've loved it. So that which is so reassuring to me, you know, you have this wonderful master blender in James. and he's like, This cigar is really good. And I'm like, Yes! <laughs> and
0: so be available at PCA.
1: Uh huh. Yep. So it's going to be offered to the the retailers that are actually there. So they'll be first come first serve. This is very limited. I only did 500 boxes on it. Um, but once PCA is done, obviously, like any any retailer, as long as they qualify, they can get this limited edition as well. So it's not just for PCA attendees.
0: And is that a pigtail on the on the cigar, or is it like what what is no. going on with the cap?
1: It, yeah, it's just, the, it's not a pigtail, it's it's open-ended, so it's just, it, there's actually a couple ways you can smoke it. If you wanted to, you could just light it up the way that it is, um, or you can just do your traditional cuts with it as well. So it's a Connecticut tip to it, and then it goes into uh, more of a Habano um, wrapper on it. Oh,
0: cool. I think it looks, yeah. like I said, the, the bots are like you said, going with the white bot already sets it apart if it's in a humidor because you're so used to seeing just the wooden boxes or in this industry, like black boxes or gold or whatever. So I think mm-hmm. the color alone make it kind of really stand out uh, yeah. as something different. And then the cigar itself um being rolled you know, in, like it is. Yeah.
1: Is and I think it's, you know, just from, keeping my eyes wide open and, you know, paying attention to what other brands do. I have found that, you know, when I walk into a lounge, what attracts me is simple, you know, and and Crux has been wonderful with that. Um, Mm -hmm. Nova has been wonderful with that. You know, they, they stuck with simple and gold colors and Dissident, we already walked into that with this, with the simple, you know, it's just black, red and white. So that's very exciting to me. Um, Because it does make it stand out. And so when I made the decision to do this limited edition, I was like, it's got to be white. It's got to be white. Because I mean, it's already like the the design of it is black and red. I'm like, the box has got to be white. It's going to stand out so much. And so that's what we did. And I'm super stoked about it, especially because the flame is a um, it's foil on it. So like mm-hmm. it just pops. And in the end, you know, those boxes, the, the lids open and you're not going to see it anyway, but it's still white with the, with the red lettering. And I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. I'm excited to hear what people have to say. So.
0: And could you just walk us through some of the other dissident cigars that are available out there? Cause I know like there's some people, who might come across this and they may have never heard of dissident before and they might be a little bit intimidated, you know, (laughs) or saying, where do I start? Like, what's the the profile of this one or something? So could you just explain maybe simply what the different cigars are and what, you know, if it's maybe meant for somebody who's a little bit more advanced or accustomed to cigars versus Mm -hmm. maybe something that's for somebody who's just getting started smoking cigars?
1: Yeah, so I'll start with the most mild, and that would be the Rave. Um, that's a box press, and it, it's bigger. Um, I've kind of put feelers out to see whether we should make that in a smaller Vitola as well. And honestly, we have gotten a lot of no's. People really, really like the size of that. Um, and I wouldn't even put it in the Connecticut category. It's actually, it's got a kick to it for being a Connecticut rapper, um, and so that's why I mentioned earlier that I wanted to blend a true Connecticut cigar because unfortunately, uh, Josh and I have a large following, um, and that following wasn't through cigars, but people now want to try cigars mm-hmm. and, uh, all our cigars are like on the bolder end. And so it scares me cause I'm like, I don't want to push them away from, you know, loving cigars. So that's why it's important to, to get a true Connecticut out there. But um, the first one on the lightest end would be the Wraith. Um, And I would say a new cigar smoker could smoke it, but they probably only get about halfway through and they want to put it down Um, just because it's bigger and it's a little bit bolder. I would put it more in the Habano category, even though it has a Connecticut wrapper. Um, Soapbox. That one is wonderful. That is by far one of my favorite cigars in the line. Um, It's Habano. Full on flavor. It is just, oh my gosh, it is so good. Like whether you have it with coffee in the morning or with whiskey at night, it's just perfect. Like there is nothing bad to be said about that cigar. Um, So that would be the next one. And then after that is the Block, which actually smokes smoother than um, the soapbox, but that has a Maduro wrapper on it. Um, And that's what I'm smoking right now but I could smoke this. Like I could have three of these in a row and I'm never going to be affected by it. It's a wonderful, smooth cigar. Um, and I would say if you like your coffee black and you like to drink your whiskey neat, you could probably jump right into a block and be okay. I I'd be safe to say that. Um, and then after the block you have your, your rant and your tirade, which to me, um, those are hard for me to smoke. They're both uh, smaller Batolas, which in my opinion is good because (laughs) I'm just like, oh, this is my last one and only one for the day (laughs) for both of those. So they're definitely Maduro's. You know, they have that full uh, Nicaraguan filler. Um, I believe one also has Ecuadorian in it. Uh, So definitely the strongest. And then there's also the home which that one was a limited release. So that one was uh, 2019. And then they came out with the 2020 and a 2021. And I smoked my first 2019 a few weeks ago at uh Tinderbox in Haverford. And they gave me that 2019. And I couldn't believe that was the same cigar as the 21. I mean, it aged so smoothly and I was able to smoke the whole thing because if I pick up a 21, it just kicks my ass. I, I can't, I can't do it. I can get about halfway through and I am done with that cigar. So uh, you'll see the 21s and the twenties and the 19s still floating around. Um, so yeah, that's those cigars. And, um, we put a hold on the home. It's not going away. That's been a fan favorite for many years. Um, but I wanted to focus on this LE. I thought that was important just because, you know, I'm a new owner and I want to show what I'm capable of. Um, but the home will definitely be coming back out and it'll probably be by next year. So probably not a 22, but you'll see a You'll see a 23 on that one.
0: Awesome. So I'm sure you're all excited about where you're going to take this brand in the future. Like you're probably already oh, having, yeah. like you said, your plans going into 2023, but probably 2024 and beyond. Um, oh,
1: stuff yeah. that you want to do. My my brain is definitely faster than the abilities to make these cigars. So it's like I have, I mean, I have like already about five ideas, and I'm like, man, that's putting me definitely into 24 by the time these mm-hmm. come out and beyond. You know, because you know, just producing the the Connecticut alone, you know, if, if I blend it, which will probably be um, as soon as we get back from PCA you're not going to be seeing that for another three, four months, you know? Um, so it's just in, in, in playing the, the game, you know, of, of getting in that wheel and producing these things and being aware of the time that it takes. So, you know, I can, I can do the Connecticut and I'd say at, at maybe three months, start blending another cigar. So that way they're kind of almost, you know, back to back with a couple month break in there. Um, so that that's my goal is to do it like that. But we'll see. We'll see how this goes.
0: <laughs> at, at this point in the show, I usually like to turn it into a little bit of an advice uh, column type thing. But I know you gave people a lot of good advice opening the show. So hopefully none of that uh, overlaps. But um, usually the first question I like to ask people is uh, what's your why? So what motivates you to do what you do?
1: it's truthfully to prove to myself that I can and to prove to other people that they can as well, because those that have followed me for a long time know that I have been in uh, multiple abusive relationships. My childhood was not the greatest. I was homeless with my kids at one point trying to escape abuse. I have been witness to suicides, um, sexual abuse. You know, I've, I've been through the gamut of things. I've lived in shelters, um, You know, all trying to escape terrible things and learn and be a single mom. Um, And I succeeded. And I wasn't a failure for any of the things that I went through. I was a student learning all these things. And I succeeded. And somehow, even as a single mom making children and wife they out not to save money. I figured out how to not rely on child support. I figured out how to be there for my kids. I figured out how to learn and quickly go from the bottom of the barrel at my job all the way up to running an entire facility. I have absolutely pushed myself in every way possible while so hardest to love on myself. You need to be unique and to be who I am, not conform to society because I refuse to do that. I don't know why I am. I am just one of those people that if you tell me not to do something, I'm going to do it. So, and it's all because I just feel that it is so necessary, especially now that we're in to make sure that you are authentic and who you are and to realize that it is okay to be who you are. It is okay to be in the skin that you're in, to be the color that you are, to love who you do, to be in the profession that you are, to believe in the things that you believe to accept the people around you for not having those same beliefs. That is so important. That is what makes us who we are. And so, you know, I look back at my life and I, I see all these things that I've gone through and it just amazes me. And it makes me so proud of myself because I did and I'm still doing it. And you know what? There's still going to be failures and that is okay. I'm going to cry. I'm going to stumble. I'm going to lose things and I'm going to succeed. And even failure is succeeding in some way. And I think that is so important for people to understand. And if I am making people understand that, then I've reached my goal because it's not about the money. It's about reaching people and, and getting them to understand their full potential and that if I can do it, well, you sure as hell can do it too, because God damn it, I've been through so much and I have figured it out and we just have to find it within ourselves to
0: Um, The final question is, someone comes to you, they say that they have an idea for a business or a product they want to launch, and they know that you've successfully done that. What advice do you give that person in terms of how to get started?
1: Put yourself out there. Uh, I would say that a good 95% of the people that I have met that have been successful, they are successful they have said things like i don't understand please explain they have um if they failed at something or made a mistake they openly say i made this mistake it was me that did this i'm the one in this job that created this and i'm sorry please show me a better way to be vulnerable like that and admit to our faults that goes a very, very long way. And people are so scared of doing that. And it's hard for me to understand that because I have not lived that way in so, so long. Once you reach that point, you realize what success is because the people that you surround yourself with are so willing to help you when you're honest and you're vulnerable. And the more people you know, the more advice you're going to give. From different backgrounds and and different ways of doing things, so you have to just put yourself out there and be willing to be the lowest person on the totem pole. That's you know we are, we're we all want to be the coolest person in the you know the whatever in the group. No man, put, sure you're the one you find a way to rise up. And that to me is hugely important, and that's how you grow success.
0: Well, thank you so much for coming on today. Um, before you go, I want you to give people a rundown of the different social media or websites they need to know uh in order to follow you and to follow dissident.
1: Yeah, so the main one, I would, say, you know, Instagram you can find me at Coburn, C-Y-N-N-C-O-B-U-R-N on Instagram. Same thing for Facebook. Um For Dissident, it's Dissident Cigars underscore official. Um, You can learn about Dissident Cigars by going to the Oveja Negro website. Um, And that's really the extent of it. Uh, Joshua Coburn, you can find him on Instagram as well. Uh, But it's very simple. It's very easy to find. Um, And if anybody has any questions, if they can't find Dissident in their local lounge, um, just hit us up personally. you know, we will absolutely message you back. We're not we're not strangers, we're not people that aren't gonna talk to you. you know We want to be there for people and to make sure that they know that we're available to them. So we're absolutely open to messages and to helping people in, in any way, even if that's just figuring out where dissident cigars are.
0: <laughs> awesome. Well, like I said, I think I learned so much from this hour conversation I've had with you and I think people, also learned so much. So thank you for being so open and sharing all that you did. I think it's uh, important for us to hear about, like I said, the negativity sometimes, but also how to deal with that in our lives, um, even more so, more important sometimes than even the the cigar talk is just having real talk like that um, for people, because there's somebody listening out there that's going through stuff. And I think hearing what you- yeah, I think hearing what you had to say um, does resonate with a lot of people out there, and will resonate with people who listen to this uh, in playback mode. So, I appreciate yeah. you sharing, and I appreciate you coming on today. Uh, and I'm looking yeah. forward to seeing you in the Oveja Negra team at uh, PCA <laughs> and well, it's not even a couple; it's like a week or so from, uh, now. <laughs> so, a bit over. Yeah. So, we all very uh-huh. soon in Vegas. Uh, but yep. thank you for coming on. And like I said, hopefully we'll have to have you back on again. And now we we'll, now that we have all the intro stuff out of the way, we can get into some other uh, stuff. I know you you run a whole bunch of other companies and brands, so there's a lot to talk oh. about. I'm sure that we can obviously get in, uh, <laughs> fit into an hour. So we'll have to have you back on to talk about some of that stuff in the future.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I'd love to.
0: Um, for those people who are watching on Facebook or YouTube or Twitter, make sure you hit that like button or subscribe button to be notified to anytime we um, produce new content. Also, if you're listening to this on any of the um, podcasting platforms uh, hit the subscribe button, hit the notification button, and also hit leave a review to let us know what you like from this episode or what uh, ways we can improve. Any feedback is always appreciated. Um, I want to thank you all for watching and I want to thank our guests again for coming on. And uh, we have another show. Actually, it was, a Uh, a last minute addition to this week. So we have uh, another strong female figure. We have Lisette Perez Carrillo from EP Carrillo on Thursday. So uh, that will be another exciting show for those of you who are watching live. You can put that on your calendar for Thursday at 530. And uh, if you miss any part of this episode, it will be on deepcutslive.com. It's also on YouTube. And like I said, the audio is on uh, all the podcasting or will be by the end of tonight, hopefully. Uh, on all the podcasting platforms. So, thank you for watching, and thank you, Sin, again for coming on. And I look forward to seeing you in uh, in person and off a screen. Uh, and uh, I want uh, until next time, everybody.
1: Have a good night.